Join us every Monday through Friday at this time for Catholic Chicago. You can stream our programs live or listen to past programs. You're listening to Catholic Chicago. Ahead, the Archdiocese of Chicago brings you programs about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Welcome to Catholic Chicago. Good morning. Welcome to Catholic Chicago on WNDZ, 7.50 a.m. Our phone number 312-255-8408, 312-255-8408. You can also get us on youtube.com slash Chicago. Again, I'm Father Greg Sack with the Director of the Cathedral and co-host Mark Teresi, Executive Director of the Cathedral. Mark, good morning. How are you? Good morning. Good morning. I'm in my own little TV studio. I've gotten my own show. <laughs> and and you can be my sidekick, <laughs> Father Greg. Because <laughs> you're in the TV studio of the Archdiocese. Right. I'm in the radio studio to keep us We're socially safe separated. Yeah, distance. Right. And uh, we've got a tremendous program lined up again. Uh, it'll be a great show. We're going to be talking about the Cathedral Ministry Conference has been held this year in Chicago. Uh, 70 rectors, staffs from all over the country have joined because a cathedral is a very unique experience within a diocese or archdiocese. And our first guest, a tremendous priest, it's Father J. Uh, Michael Mar- Ryan. <laughs> I had another coffee here. We've had pastor. We've, we've uh, been on break. That's right, we've been break. Pastor of St. James <laughs> Cathedral in Seattle. Mike, good morning. How are you? I'm fine, Greg. How about you? Good. And uh, it's such a great honor to have you with us because. The Cathedral Ministry Conference goes back to 1998, if I'm correct, and you have been part of every one going back now 24 years. Well, first of all, with your own background, Mike, you were ordained a priest for Seattle in what year? Uh, 1966. I'm one of those kind of superannuated guys. So you've been a priest now almost 56 years. When's your ordination date? December 17, 1966. Oh. Okay, December 17th and 66. And it's the same day as Pope Francis's birthday. So. That's right. Oh. Good day to be. Yeah. yeah. And, and you have been the pastor in Seattle for 34 years. That's, uh, that's right. If I live to June, it will be 34 years. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's celebrate now, just in case. No, <laughs> yeah, take no chance. I have to tell all our listeners. Father Ryan has a tremendous sense of humor. Mm-hmm. He can really bring it and, um, <laughs> you know, tremendous. But again, give us the history of the Cathedral Ministry Conference. Whose idea and how did it all begin? I'm going to hold this up. Oh. I, I was going to say, Father Greg, I, uh, I have a good sense of humor, but I can't tell jokes like you can. So <laughs> it's, uh, Thank God. <laughs> I'm not going to attempt that. So the history... Um, 
Yes, it goes back. The first meeting was in 1988. Uh, the planning went back to 19, uh, 1998, excuse me. The planning went back to 1997. I got a call from uh, a priest. I think he was from Covington, Kentucky, if, if memory serves, <clears throat> Father John Murphy. And he said uh, he and some other uh, like-minded uh, cathedral rectors, pastors, about five of them had been talking about doing something on a national scale because he said, you know, cathedral ministry is is unique and we ought to talk to each other and, and draw on each other's experience and learn from each other. So they thought about a national meeting would be in order and they decided uh, on Orlando, Florida for the first meeting in 1998 and uh, asked me if I would be on the uh, organizing planning board. They wanted somebody from the far corner up there in the Northwest mm -hmm. and uh, um, I said, sure, I was honored to be asked. And that's it, it, it got started. I have to say there was a dual purpose. One of them was, as I said, a, a, a forum for sharing and, and uh, learning from each other, these people involved in this unique cathedral ministry. The other one was to get a little post-Christmas break in the mm -hmm. sun. Uh, should not understate that. They wanted it to be in a nice, warm place. So they started with Orlando. The next meeting was in San Antonio. Uh, then we went to New Orleans. And then to Los Angeles, which was uh, opening a brand new cathedral at that time, oh, Our Lady wow. of the Angels. So those first four places were all, as I say, down south of the Mason-Dixon line. It was <laughs> in the sun. And then it, the funny thing happened, uh, and this is kind of tells the evolution of the group. Um, nobody seemed to be coming forward offering another sunny place to meet in January. There just wasn't any cathedral that was willing to take it on. And I foolishly raised my hand. And I said, how about coming to Seattle? And they all said, in January? <laughs> and I said, sure. It's, uh, it's not, uh, you know, it doesn't snow much and it rains sometimes. We have a reputation for that, but uh, why not? Well, anyway, they had no other option. And they said, okay, we'll go to Seattle. And that broke the thing about we had to meet in a sunny place where we could kick back and relax. And it really actually began to focus more on cathedrals and and what we do and the quality of what's going on rather than just uh, having some downtime in January. And from then on, we've met in places like uh, Milwaukee and Minneapolis and even Chicago. <laughs> so uh, it tells you that uh, we got more serious about the mission and less uh, uh, focused on having a good time in January. Was this, was this the first time in Chicago that we hosted or has Chicago yes. hosted before? Yes, first time in Chicago. Actually, Seattle has hosted it twice now. Uh, but Chicago, first time. I'm sure we'll do it again in Chicago because Chicago has done such a, a, a smashing job. It's been well, thank absolutely you. marvelous. Well, you know, the other thing, Mike, is that the weather this week in Chicago, when you arrived on Monday, very, very bitterly cold. But Tuesday, 35. Yesterday hit 40. Today in the 30s. So really, your stay here in Chicago with the group has been not bad Chicago weather. We'll take this any time of um, in January all the time. Now, maybe yeah, I, I, I love it. Go ahead, Mike. Oh, it's been, it's bracing. It's wonderful. I oh, love it. Good, good. Now, maybe I ask you and Greg, Mike, you had alluded to the idea that, well, being a rector at a cathedral is different. It's a different assignment. Maybe both of you, what are some of the, maybe one or two of the main differences or challenges that you see as rectors? Mike, you kick off. I'm going to go first, Greg. Like, sure. well, I, I think of cathedrals as, as uh, parish plus, mm. you know? We are parishes, every one of us, I think, has a parish. Uh, the cathedral is a parish. 
but it's a parish plus um, because it's the it's the church of the diocese, the archdiocese. All the important events for the archdiocese will take place there, whether it's ordinations or the chrism mass or uh, maybe confirmation, uh, uh, the large uh, diocesan confirmation, and then uh, school graduations and all kinds of things that 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 uh, reveal the inner and outer life of the church, the 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 the, uh, the things that make us Catholic. They they focus on the cathedral and it's the bishop's church it's mm -hmm. the, the very name cathedral means chairs where the bishop's chair is and so it's symbolically important too uh so for all kinds of church reasons it's a very significant thing a cathedral is but also i think and i'm sure greg you would say the same it's also a, has a civic importance when important things happen that touch the life of the church the media focus on the cathedral they mm -hmm. come to us they want to know what's going on sometimes we will and in, in connection with that, like I think of the murder of George Floyd, will have an important service in the cathedral because, again, we're the we're the city's church, mm -hmm. and uh, and ecumenical events, interfaith events, take place in the cathedral that reflect our relationship with other with other religions and other denominations. So we're a focal point not only for inner church things but outer things too that project us onto the cityscape. Good, Greg. I think that's a great question, Mark, and along the very same line, lines that uh, Mike is talking about. Three things for me. When I arrived here five and a half years ago as the rector, I knew it was the home to thousands and thousands of visitors every year pre-pandemic. We're getting visitors starting to come back again. Secondly, as Mike said, we are the seat of the Archdiocese for important events. But what really struck me here in Chicago with the Holy Name Cathedral it was a tremendous surprise. Holy Name Cathedral is a strong, dynamic, faith-filled parish. Many, many active parishioners. So I knew it was home to thousands of visitors, seat of the Archdiocese for all the events, but it's an incredibly strong parish that really, I think, sets us apart, in my mind, as really being so very important because, as Mike, you would also agree, as a cathedral, we are also the parish for the entire, in Chicago, the Archdiocese. And so, so much is happening. But, uh, you know, now maybe a question I have for you, Mike, is I am the rector of the cathedral. You are the pastor of your cathedral. And maybe when you gave that talk a few days ago, just for our listeners, what is the difference and why? And the bottom line is what? Sure. Uh I remember when we did meet back when in, in Los Angeles in the early part of the this millennium and Cardinal Mahoney at the time was the Archbishop of Los, Los Angeles, he gave a keynote talk to us at this conference and he asked a question. He said, uh, so how many of you in the, uh, in the room here uh, have cathedrals that are parishes? Well, every person in the room raised his hand, mm -hmm. everyone. Then he said, how many of you have the title rector? And about, I'm going to say 80%, maybe 85% raise their hand, they are rectors. How many are pastors? He said, well, I was one of the few that raised my hand saying I was a pastor. And he looked at us and he said, if you were a, if you were a cathedral with a parish, 
trust me, you are pastors. Yeah. Rector mm -hmm. is a very secondary notion. He said, you should all take the title pastor. And of course, I've always thought there's no better title than pastor. I mean, shepherd, how can how can you get any better than that? Rector has sort of a legalistic sound to it to me. Or it reminds me of the person who ran the seminary when I was a student. There was always the rector in it. That wasn't necessarily always a good association. Yeah, you didn't want to be so, called to his office. <laughs> so yeah, you didn't want to, it's like getting called to the principal's office. So yeah, pastor is a, is, I kind of, you know, I love that title. And I was going to say in connection with that, and talking about the uniqueness of cathedrals. I've also thought that we who are at cathedrals need to model uh, how to be parish for the rest of the diocese. So every parish, you know, does worship, every parish does uh, faith formation, every parish does service in the name of Christ. We need to do that big time, mm -hmm. better than anybody else. Show the way. We have to pray better. We have to form people in the faith better, and we have to do service out there, outreaching out to the neediest and the poorest better than anybody else. We now, Mike, I need to ask you this question. As a rector going on 35 years, <clears throat> this June coming up in 2022, so, which means you started back in 1987 as the pastor, what changes have you seen over the years in priesthood in being the pastor of a parish in Seattle? Well, I think uh, if I was going to zero in one thing, uh, when I went to the cathedral, I had uh, five priests assigned to mm. work with me. And uh, it was, uh, it was, I would say, kind of clerical heavy, a priest heavy, the whole scene. And uh, year after year, that changed because we had, the priests had to be spread further and sent here and there. And I ended up after a few years as being the only priest in this wow. very large parish wow. of about 2,500 families. But I could do it because I was able to bring on board very skilled, very gifted lay ministers to work with me and share ministry with me in a very collaborative fashion. And so I think we were able to model the fact that, uh, yes, a priest has a very significant role in any parish, <clears throat> but it's the ministry needs to be shared, especially today when we are uh, we have fewer and fewer priests. But, you know, even if we didn't have fewer priests, we need to find ways for lay people to express their gifts, their, 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 given them by the Holy Spirit through baptism, give them a forum for their uh, for their ministerial gifts. Now, Michael, you've worked with how many archbishops? I'm on my fifth. I put them fifth. in and then they leave. And you've outlasted <laughs> them. Um, <laughs> any observations on your end in terms of working with an archbishop? How is it different than, well, it must be different because it's you're a one only job in the archdiocese. Yeah. Well, I think... Uh, it takes, always <laughs> takes a while to get the... Get the, the, uh, the, the what shall I say, the, the culture of this bishop or mm -hmm. archbishop, uh, they're all different. They all are differently gifted. I think they're all wonderful men. I probably have to be honest and say I was easily, I, I could relate more easily to one or another than perhaps this one or that. Do you want to name names? Uh, <laughs> no. I will name no names. Uh, <laughs> but, but all of us, in every case, I think we found a way to work together and to respect each other and to carry on the mission, promote the mission together. And I, I think I felt uh, in any case, every case, just about every case, at least that I was uh, totally trusted. Um, they made a, It may have taken a while for them to come to that point, but uh, they, there was this 
trust and it need to be a mutual trust. Could you share for with our listeners um, our Chicago Connect um, with Seattle through an archbishop? Oh, yes. Well, we had a really wonderful connection with Chicago back in the 90s, uh, beginning in uh, about, well, actually the late uh, 1980s. Uh, Thomas Murphy, who had been the uh, rector of Mundelein Seminary, became the coadjutor Archbishop of Seattle, the coadjutor Archbishop Raymond Hunthausen, who was a kind of uh, a very highly revered uh, local figure in Seattle, but also a rather controversial one. Uh, and uh, I served as his chancellor. During that time, Archbishop Murphy was appointed uh, to be a coadjutor to Archbishop Hunthausen, and he succeeded him in 1991. He was a dynamic Irishman, <laughs> a, a wonderful leader, a connector with people, uh, very much high profile, profile in the local scene, and uh, energetic beyond words. He was mm -hmm. just a tornado when it came to uh, to ministry, and he was present everywhere. So for six years, I, I got to, uh, to, to work with him and see him in action. He loved the cathedral. Uh, during that time, we renovated the cathedral, a huge project, a multi-million dollar project, about $15 million project. It'd be a lot more today. He blessed all of that, but he was, he was good enough to let me run it and uh, trusted mm -hmm. me. And when we finished, he was thrilled beyond uh -huh. words. And, and then unexpectedly, out of nowhere, he was diagnosed with uh, leukemia. That was in Advent of 1996, yeah. December. And uh, by July, he was dead. So he had this, this, this quick trajectory yeah. toward death. Yeah. But he, and he died beautifully. I mean, he, he, up until the end, he was still working. He, mm. the, three days before he died, he was on an airplane coming from some conference he wanted to. He, was, he was just uh, had inexhaustible energy right up to the end. But he told him before he died, he said, I want to be buried in the cathedral crypt. No bishop had ever chosen to be buried there. The oh. bishops had been buried in a, in a Catholic cemetery north of the city. But he said, I love the cathedral. This is where I want to be laid to rest. And indeed, he is. So we have this enduring uh, Chicago presence there in the cathedral, uh, Archbishop Thomas Murphy. And I've kept in touch with his Chicago family here. They're wonderful people. And Beautiful. They left their brother or their uncle here. And uh, I've always felt it important to, to keep them connected to the cathedral and to Seattle. So Mike, he was only with you for six years before he died. That's right. Wow. He Well, he had two years as coadjutor, but yeah. he was only six years as the archbishop. Only six. Yeah. We need to bring this segment short. to a close. Beautiful. We want to thank, thank you, in a very Michael. special way. Father Michael Ryan, the rector, pastor of St. James Cathedral in Seattle, Washington. Um, Father Mike Ryan, you are a tremendous priest, a gift to the people of Seattle and the whole United States. You've done a marvelous job with this Cathedral Ministry Conference and working with the team in Chicago. Yes, thank you. Because you are one of the founding fathers of the Cathedral Ministry Conference. We're, so, we're going to commission a statue. So, Mike, don't go too far <laughs> because... <just> old guy. Because <laughs> we'll see you shortly as we conclude the conference today. Uh, Father Greg Thanks Sackwitz, so along with Mark Teresi on WNDZ, 750 AM, 312-255-8408. You can also get us on youtube.com slash Chicago. Stay with us and do not touch that dial.
At Catholic Charities, we fight hunger in Chicago throughout the year. Our six regional offices in Cook and Lake Counties work together to offer sit-down and to-go meals to anyone in need. We deliver meals to those who are homebound, and our eight food pantries offer three to four days of food supplies based on household size. Participants in these programs have the opportunity to learn about other Catholic charity services that strengthen individuals, families, and their communities. The challenges for those dealing with food insecurity are especially great during the winter months. To learn how you can help those who are hungry in your neighborhood, visit catholiccharities.net or call 312-655-7525. That's 312-655-7525. Thank you for your generosity. I feel special. <laughs> I feel great. I got good grades. We've seen a huge surge in our kids now meeting or exceeding grade level. Come check us out. You may have never thought we were an option before. Ancestry and genealogy are more important every day. People all over the world are wanting to learn more about their family heritage for personal and for health reasons. At Catholic Charities, we are hearing from adults who lived for a brief time at St. Vincent's Orphanage the wonderful, life-affirming agency that operated out of our headquarters for 91 years, serving thousands of women, children, and families until it closed in 1972. Our post-adoption services help adults who want to learn more about their experience at St. Vincent's. Our compassionate staff members provide whatever family background information they can offer, along with support and reunion services. To learn more, call 312-655-7093. That's 312-655-7093. The spirit of St. Vincent's lives on in the inspiring stories that continue to emerge today. Welcome back to Catholic Chicago on WNDZ, 7.50 a.m. Father Greg Sackwitz, Director of the Cathedral in Chicago, with co-host Mark Teresi, the Executive Director. You've been on number 312-255-8408. You can also get us on YouTube.com slash Catholic Chicago. We're talking today about the Catholic or uh, Cathedral 
ministry conference we've been holding here in Chicago, going back to 1998, held every two years. We had Father Mike Ryan, the pastor from Seattle, and now we have with us in studio live Father John Bauer, rector, pastor of the Basilica of St. Mary's in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Father John Bauer, welcome to the program this morning. How are you, John? I'm great, Greg. Thanks for asking. Well, thank you for being here. Now, Enjoy, Enjoying this balmy weather in Chicago. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'll tell you, as I said to uh, Mike before, 40 in Chicago in January. Well, you being from Minneapolis, oh. I think you brought your shorts. Yeah. <laughs> this is sandals and shorts weather in Minneapolis. <laughs> Are you from Minnesota originally? Yes, I am. Yes, I grew up in a small town north of Minneapolis. It's now a, a third-ring suburb. When I grew up, it was a small town. Anoka, Minnesota. Oh my gosh, you're a Minnesota boy. And, mm-hmm. and where did you study for the priesthood? Uh, St. Paul Seminary. In St. Paul, we have our own seminary there. It's uh, uh, established in the, at the turn of the century by Archbishop John Ireland. Now, a quick question for our listeners. In Chicago, yes. we are Holy Name Cathedral, but you are the rector, pastor of Basilica in Minneapolis. For our listeners, what's the difference between a cathedral and a basilica? Well, a cathedral is technically the bishop's church. A basilica is the pope's church. So if the pope were, Pope Francis were to come to Minneapolis, he wouldn't go to the cathedral, he'd come to the basilica. Every basilica has a tie to one of the major basilicas in Rome. Our tie obviously is to, to uh, St. Mary Major. Um, but uh, as the Basilica, we also are the co-cathedral of the Archdiocese of St. Paul, Minneapolis. So while the cathedral has most of the uh, cathedral liturgies, we host uh, several of them throughout the year as well. Now, how, how does that connect work with Rome, with uh, Maria Maggiore in, in Rome? What does that mean? Do you guys go on pilgrimages there, or how does that work? We have in the past, certainly not recently, but it's just... It's just a, a reminder that the church is universal and that we're all, the, the Catholic with the small c means universal. We're all together. And so it's, it just reminds us that we're not independent franchise, that we are part of the Roman Catholic Church. Part of the conference is us learning from one another. And one of the things I did was go online, uh, not for this program, but on my own to learn about uh, the wonderful work that you folks are doing. I was amazed at the construction of your beautiful basilica. Do you want to just give people an, uh, you know, a thumbnail sketch of how that happened and how long it took? And it's a stunning. So I'd encourage people to go on your website, uh, and it's a beautiful website. But that's a wonderful story. Well, actually, we, the cathedral in St. Paul and the Basilica of St. Mary were de- designed by the same architect, Emmanuel Masqueré. And they were uh, designed and built at the same time, right around at the wow. turn of the 20th century. Uh, personally, and I'm a little biased, of course, I think he did a better job on the Basilica. <laughs> but of that's course. Just, that's just my, oh, my personal what a, what a surprise, Mark. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but it, it really was a labor of love, too. It took several years to uh, construct the basilica from the ground up. And then it wasn't finished. Uh, and a, a church cannot be uh, consecrated until it is finished and paid for. So it wasn't oh, wow. consecrated until 1941. Wow. They had a, a pastor there from uh, 1921 to 1963. 
Are you kidding died me? Died in the no, died in the church saying his rosary. Wow. And, and he had the been the pastor the for 42 years. Yes. Yeah. I'm not going to make it that long. So, <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm sure my parishioners are grateful for that. <laughs> now, with a, I, I don't want to go too much into the building piece, but with that beautiful structure, what are the challenges with a building that massive? I mean, it's massive. It, it is massive. The cathedral is, is roughly uh, one another half time bigger than us. The biggest challenge is Emmanuel Masquerade was a wonderful architect, but he didn't uh, design churches for a cold climate. Oh, wow. So, for example, in, in the cathedral, when you, in the basilica, when you look at it, you see the ceiling, and then there's a dead airspace of about 20 feet, mm-hmm. and then there's the roof. And that dead airspace was the insulation. Um, and over the years, they tried different things, different ways to try to keep maintain the heat in the church. And at one point, I think back in the 70s, they laid insulation on the top of the ceiling. But unfortunately, the roof leaked, so it got wet and fell down. And it's, it's kind wow. of uh, stayed over the windows until we finally, we've got most of it out now. We've still got some a little bit left to do between between the windows it's called the groins and some of that insulation fell in there so we need to clean that up now i'll let greg go but did you ever think when you were ordained you'd know about all this stuff i thought (laughs) why do i need to go to that class on boilers (laughs) i'm never going to need to know that boy (laughs) john are you right on that (laughs) did did you learn some of this stuff in the seminary about boilers and Make sure there's enough toilet paper in the in the in the boys' washroom. Uh, <laughs> You're a pastor. Who thought? Who would have known? <laughs> the, the important question. Now let me ask you this: How many years have you been involved in the Cathedral Ministry Conference? Uh, I've been involved probably about ten years now. Uh, first conference we went, to, I went to, was in Salt Lake City, and uh, it was a, a great conference. I enjoyed it, and they said, "Now, anybody looking? We're looking for people who might be willing to host in the future." So we put our hand up in Minneapolis thinking they'll never choose a cold weather climate. <laughs> yeah, I got, got the call. Congratulations. <laughs> but now you have to tell the story, John, when it actually happened in Minneapolis. What was the temperature for the conference for those few days? <laughs> it was the coldest week of the year. The average temperature was like 10 below. <laughs> really, I, I took off my name tag that said Minneapolis because people come up and go, what the hell is going on? <laughs> that is, I mean, Chicago, we said this has been balmy weather compared to a Minneapolis yes. from that year. Yeah. And the thing is, what keeps you coming back every two years for the conference? It is. It's just the opportunity to connect with all these different people, all these different cities, and how they, you know, uh, cathedrals from major cities, cathedrals from small cities, rural areas, and just how they manage, uh, how the programs they offer, the insights that they can that they that you can glean from them in terms of programs, in terms of services, in terms of ministries. It's just fabulous. It's just such a good way to get that broad perspective on things and to get that, that um, uh, uh, new ideas and, and fresh ways of approaching some sometimes very similar and very, uh, very uh, familiar areas. But, oh, you're doing that with that. That's a great idea. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's that opportunity to connect with fellow rectors, staffs uh, from these different parishes and the workshops just uh, to go and learn from all these people how they're managing things it's it's really a, it's a great gift and 
what's interesting to me is so the prior segment, Mike Ryan is pastor, Greg Sackowitz is rector, and you're rector pastor. Yes. You can't make up your uh, mind? <laughs> can't make up my mind. No, it was Archbishop Flynn appointed me rector and pastor because I think he realized that it was the co cathedral of the archdiocese. But it's also a parish church. I, I like to think of it as a, a parish on, on steroids. It's mm -hmm. just it is. It's, it's a lot of a uh, lot of uh, things that that we do in normal parishes in in family centered parishes, but also we're downtown community. Uh, in fact, the vision that guides the basilica is seek the well being of the city to which I've sent you. Pray to it for the Lord, for in seeking its well being, you will find your own. Beautiful. So we are a parish church, a cathedral church and a beacon of hope on the minneapolis skyline now i know greg when he got the call about being rector was pretty surprised by it um i don't think it was in his sights at all at all john what about you did how how were how were you called to be rector pastor was it was it something you saw coming or were did you, you surprised? Uh, did you lose oh. a did you lose a bet <laughs> Yeah, I lost bed as well. No, I uh, uh, the former pastor uh, called me one day on my on my cell phone. I should have been curious because I thought, how the heck did he get my cell phone mm -hmm. number? And he said, you know, I'm thinking of moving on, and I'd like to talk to the Archbishop about you following me at the Basilica oh, of Saint okay. Mary. So I met with him. I said, give me a week to pray about it, and in that week, I, I remembered. My life goes much better when I let God be in charge. Yeah, wonderful. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. That's, that's so said, true, John. Bishop, if you if you want me to go there, uh, I'm happy to do so. What was so, your assignment at the time? I was in a, uh, three parishes in the Highland Park area of St. Paul, three smaller parishes, and we just merged them into one larger parish. So I thought I'd be there for a while to mm -hmm. enjoy that because it was it really was a wonderful experience. Uh, I didn't have the horror stories that I've heard of from. So many others, people were just wonderful. And we accomplished that merger. And I thought, well, you know, I felt like the man in the, in the gospels who had the great harvest and wanted to tear down his barns and build bigger ones because mm -hmm. I wanted to stay and enjoy it. But I do, I do believe we're ordained for the church and where the church has need, that's where we're called. So. Now you, you have been the pastor rector in Minneapolis for about 15 years now, 14 years? It'll be, it'll be 15 years in June. Okay, John, June. over that time, going over 15 years, what changes have you seen in your basilica, in the neighborhood, in the church? In the basilica particularly, there's much greater diversity. We are, as I said, a parish church, but we're also a church in the heart of downtown Minneapolis. So we are, in many cases, the last stopping off point before people leave the church, or sometimes we're the first point of entry back when they're coming back into church. We're also you know, kind of a destination parish. People, uh, we have a lot of uh, 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 millennials who come to the come to the basilica. We have some people. Uh, I was in two parishes prior to the basilica, both very family-centered, wonderful parishes. But in retrospect, we didn't offer a lot to people once their families were grown, and so the mm -hmm. basilica is able to offer programs and ministries and services that attract people who have now their, their empty nesters and they have extra time to donate to our Vince DePaul ministry, to our outreach ministry, 
uh, to help with other programs and activities. Right now, we're working on an equity, diversity, and inclusivity initiative. Um, so it's in a very attractive period. And, and the big difference I've seen is that it keeps getting more and more diverse. Uh, it's not, we're not a homogeneous uh, parish anymore. And I think that describes also the, the broader church as well. Mm -hmm. Now, Mike Ryan had said when he started, now that was 34 years ago, he had five, four or five associates. Now it's him with his staff. How, how, how has it transpired for you in these 15 years in terms of priest support in, in the cathedral and then staffing support? Yeah, we, um, uh, I had an associate for my, my first year there, and then since then I've been on my own. Wow. I'm very, very blessed to have some retired priests who help uh, on weekends and with daily mass, and they're just a blessing for our parish. Now, community. do they live with you in the rectory, or are you by yourself? They don't there? live in the rectory. No, they, they live by, off by themselves, and uh, but they come in. They love coming to the basilica. People love having them. Mm. They bring a rich diversity. But primarily, too, I'm blessed with a wonderful staff. They are, are um, we don't always agree, mm -hmm. but we always respect each other and can enjoy each other. Uh, uh, now, even along those other. lines, John, yeah. I found out from uh, Mike yesterday, I didn't realize this, with the first Cathedral Mystery Conference in 1998, it was for rectors only. And then how long did that last, and when was it open then up to staffs to join? I think it was relatively soon after that when they realized that uh, we can learn a lot more when we don't just talk to each other. Mm -hmm. I think it was, I don't know the exact date, Mike would know that, but I think it was within the first uh, three or four conferences that they realized, you know, we need to open this up. We can learn more when we listen to a much broader audience, uh, uh, when we have much more participation by our staff. So and like it was you, fairly soon afterwards. And like you, I'm blessed with an incredible, gifted staff at Holyman Cathedral. You know, John, I stay out of their way. And they're work hard worker bees who work well together, and um, they they put this whole cathedral ministry conference together. They're hard workers as part of the staff of the cathedral to serve the people of God. And bottom line, you and I would both agree. You know, as priests, it's about serving the people of God. Ask him what do you want Absolutely. to have happen and make it happen. But, but don't forget, your good staffs are there because of your good leadership. I mean, yeah, most people, good but, people wouldn't be there if you weren't good leaders. That's my bias. I'm very blessed. Most of my senior staff has been there longer than I have. So oh, wow. I'm very blessed. That's wonderful. And I did, I did change one thing. I added to their job description when I arrived there, make me look good. <laughs> in print. In print. And, and on that note, we're going to bring this segment to a close. I want to thank it in a very special way. Father John Bauer, the pastor rector of the Basilica of St. Mary's in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Like the Chicago Bears, you also have a lousy football team. <laughs> and also, like Mike Ryan, a lousy football team, the Seattle Seahawks. So we share <laughs> yes. that we share that in common. There's a lot of common threads here. <laughs> a lot of common but you threads. have a lousy team that beat us. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You, you beat the Bears. And uh, one of the, so thank you very much, John, for joining us. WNDZ, 750 AM, 312-255-8408. Stay with us. We'll be back after these messages. And again, do not touch that dial.
Catholic Charities, we fight hunger in Chicago throughout the year. Our six regional offices in Cook and Lake Counties work together to offer sit-down and to-go meals to anyone in need. We deliver meals to those who are homebound, and our eight food pantries offer three to four days of food supplies based on household size. Participants in these programs have the opportunity to learn about other Catholic charity services that strengthen individuals, families, and their communities. The challenges for those dealing with food insecurity are especially great during the winter months. To learn how you can help those who are hungry in your neighborhood, visit catholiccharities.net or call 312-655-7525. That's 312-655-7525. Thank you for your generosity. I am a seminarian. The church needs compassionate and well-trained priests to help guide each of us through life. What inspires me, what draws me always to the priesthood is continue to see priests be a beacon of hope for other people. You can play a part in the education of these young men as they prepare for a life of service to others. I want to be that beacon of hope too. and it's, it, Sets my heart on fire. To support our seminarians, make your gift at archchicago.org slash seminarian fund or call 312-534-7959. Ancestry and genealogy are more important every day. People all over the world are wanting to learn more about their family heritage for personal and for health reasons. At Catholic Charities, we are hearing from adults who lived for a brief time at St. Vincent's Orphanage, the wonderful, life-affirming agency that operated out of our headquarters for 91 years, serving thousands of women, children, and families until it closed in 1972. Our post-adoption services help adults who want to learn more about their experience at St. Vincent's. Our compassionate staff members provide whatever family background information they can offer, along with support and reunion services. To learn more, call 312-655-7093. That's 312-655-7093. The spirit of St. Vincent's lives on in the inspiring stories that continue to emerge today. Welcome back to Catholic Chicago on WNDZ, 750 AM, 312-255-8408. Father Greg Sackowitz, along with Mark Teresi. We've had a wonderful program on the Cathedral Ministry Conference being held here in Chicago, ending today. We have another wonderful guest priest with us for the last 20 minutes, Father Miguel Gonzalez, Rector of St. James Cathedral in Orlando, Florida. Miguel, welcome to the program with your beautiful smile. How are you? Thank you. Good morning, Father Greg and Mark. Thank Good you for morning. allowing me to also spend time on this wonderful opportunity to connect with so many people through the art of technology. Yes. And we have to let our listeners know where the Cathedral Ministry Conference in 2022 was held here in Chicago. Monday, it ends today about noon. 2024 in January, 
we are going to Orlando, Florida, to your cathedral, to your community, to your diocese. And so thank you for saying yes. But I have to ask you this question (laughs) for our listeners. And I just found this out yesterday. Before you were ordained a priest, one of your former lives as a young man is you were a disc jockey, radio announcer in what city? In Orlando, Florida, I was music program director for a Spanish radio station in, in Central Florida. And it was wonderful experience that I believe it was part of God's plan in preparing me for priesthood and, and to be able to communicate with so many people. Uh, I think that really helped me uh, enhance that gift uh, of being able to connect with individuals and, and be able to have that level of, of comfort uh, in dealing with microphones and, and, and crowds. Now, so I'm very grateful for that experience. Now, do you think just for Javier and for Brian and our, our producers in the booth there, could you give them a little taste of how you sounded on the air? <laughs> Estás en sintonía de Cosmos 1270, tu nave, la nave de los éxitos. That was basically what I used to do. <laughs> that is great. great. But they say that when... when the, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, uh, when I stepped into your wonderful uh, facilities... I, I I said to to you all, I, I feel like I'm in my playpen. This is ah. wonderful. It's a comfortable setting. I just love what you guys. But have now here. supposedly uh, they for somebody the people found of God to to take advantage of. Mm-hmm. Somebody found a photo of you from your disc jockey days, and they said you had a beard, and you look like Wolfman, Wolfman Jack. Jack. Yeah. That would be that's. I can imagine you was looking like Wolfman Jack. Maybe also not with the voice, but just that very look. And so it, uh, and then you ordained the, the, Puerto, Rican, the Puerto Rican version of the Midnight Special. <laughs> I like that. Now, where were you born, Miguel? Born in San Juan, Puerto Rico, back in 1968. So, in a matter of days, I'll be turning 54, January 20th. Well, oh, early happy, happy birthday. birthday. Thank early you. Happy birth- then you came to Orlando, Florida from Puerto Rico. Actually, before we we ended up in Miami, my father used to work for Eastern Airlines. Okay. And he was based in San Juan and in 1979 was transferred to Miami. So really, uh, I was uh, 11 years old when we moved to uh, South Florida. And that's where I did uh, the rest of my middle school, high school education. And and that was uh, with the Marist Brothers, uh, Columbus High School. I need to ask you this question. Florida. Then what was your call to the priesthood and you entered the seminary at what age? Believe it or not, I did go straight out of high school oh. because I've always had that that call deep in my heart uh, in regards to the preschool. Growing up in a in, in an environment where my parents were very much involved in in, in the Catholic Church, uh, being an altar server, um, being a lector at, at the parish uh, with with my high school students in the campus ministry program, there was always that that uh, desire. But after four years of seminary formation, I decided that I needed to step back and reevaluate and, and discern and, and take advantage of an opportunity, which was the second love of my life, which is communications, radio, television. So that's when I got into, in, into broadcasting. Do you have a program down in Orlando? Uh, today, I don't. I basically collaborate with the diocese. I'm the spokesperson for the diocese which is kind of interesting because the reporters that uh, sometimes I connect with for interviews were colleagues of mine at one point in my previous life as a, as a DJ uh, working at the radio station. So it's kind of interesting when we are able to sit down together and, 
and have um, opportunities for dialogue and interviews. It's, 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 it's quite fun. Now, how has your background in media, how has it influenced your preaching style? I am very grateful to the vocation director in Miami, Father Federico Capdepon, who is, who is the founder of Radio Pass in, in the Archdiocese of Miami. Uh, he knew uh, way back when that I had this interest and this love for communication. So he would always um, invite me. He would always extend the invitation for me to take advantage of the opportunities that the communications office in the archdiocese uh, would be able to extend to seminarians like me. Mm -hmm. So going to uh, a booth uh, and, and see how they would produce radio or TV programs, work with the camera, uh, work with uh, doing voiceovers or announcements. Uh, I had the opportunity of, of, of really savoring that wonderful field, that wonderful uh, area of, of work. So that really helped. And I believe that really uh, strengthened a sense of security in me not being afraid of a camera or, mm -hmm. or, or a microphone and be able to connect with people, which is what I love. I've always loved interacting with people, with individuals. You, could, you can see it because you went on our church tour, tour yesterday. <laughs> Miguel just engaged with every, every docent that we had. I mean, that was wonderful to watch. I had a quick question and then I'll, I'll send it over to Greg. So how is Greg's uh, media visual style? I mean, is he a... <laughs> listen, I've been watching the whole the whole program this morning with the previous guests and all that, and the two of you are quite a pair. <laughs> that, team, that is for sure. And, and just the, the fact that the two of you have a good sense of humor, yeah, uh, I believe that if you can dish it, you can take it, and you're very comfortable in that oh, yeah. setting. <laughs> well, the other thing is, this is for Miguel and for Mark. Mm. I thought of it. I have been doing radio and TV in Chicago since Miguel was 12 years old. Wow. How's that? Wow. Going back to 19. He had a cup with a string on it. <laughs> There's such wisdom in one so young. That's all I <laughs> you're, you're so kind. Well, look, let me ask you this, uh, Miguel. What brings you back every two years for the Cathedral Ministry Conference? Because this was for you uh, number Three. Two, believe it or not. Oh, Seattle was my wow. first one. Oh, Seattle was your first I've only been, one. I've, been, I've, only been a, I've only been a rector for now five years. Oh. Okay. So I That's was right, able we started to attend the first one in Seattle. That's right. That was our first and one. I was I'm sorry? That was my second one in Seattle because my first was in Albuquerque. And that would have been your first one and now second in Chicago. So let me ask you this. Your first time was in Seattle. Today, this week in Chicago. What brought you back to Chicago for the second one? Because I was blown away by what I saw in Seattle, Washington, to be able to connect with other brother priests and lay men and women that are in the same uh, area of ministry. And to me, to be able to share stories and listen to stories that were brought to the table, uh, enhance the work that we do at St. James Cathedral in Orlando. Uh, and, and that's why also this time around in Chicago, I also brought more of the staff to come and take part of this experience, not only because we're going to thank God and please God uh, be able to host you all in 2024, but the fact that I really want this to be a consistent commitment on behalf of our parish staff to take opportunities like these to continue to grow in the in the area that the Lord has asked us to, uh, to exercise a, a loving ministry to God's people. And maybe a question that we asked um, John is, how were you called to become the rector in Orlando was I'm, I'm sure the call was kind of a surprise for you. 
It, it was because of the fact that uh, I was pastor of the neighboring parish, St. John Vianney oh. Parish in South Orlando, where I was there as pastor for six years. The My predecessor, Father John McCormick, who was a dear friend of mine, uh, was dealing with cancer, uh-huh. uh, acute leukemia. Uh, and he was, you know, under treatment all that. Uh, but then surprisingly, the, the doctors conveyed to him that there was nothing else that they could do for oh. him uh, with the treatment. And so he felt that it was then the, the, the time to retire. Uh, he was 70 years old. Uh, but Which I think is very young. That there, yeah, very young. And, and, and not only that, he was a very uh, high ener- energetic individual, uh, Irish, who was fully bilingual, dominated the Spanish beautifully. Before, before I was a priest, when I was a DJ, he was a radio listener of mine, oh, and, wow. and he would constantly call into the radio uh, talk show in the mornings and and also share some insights with us when we were on air, and also an incredible competitive domino player, without oh. a doubt. But, really? But John, uh, unfortunately, uh, he, he, he knew that the time was coming, uh, and so he called me into the office once he spoke with the bishop and basically conveyed to me that, that the time had come and some things that he wanted me to... Uh, do on his behalf, including uh, preparing for his funeral mass. Uh, but I thought that this was going to you know, not, not be that soon. In a matter of days, he, he, he left us. Wow. And so wow. then the bishop asked me to take care of the cathedral while still remaining pastor of St. John Vianney Parish, which I did for a, a number of months before I took over as the rector of the cathedral, as the pastor wow. of St. James, uh, yeah. and, and allowing the bishop to identify who would take over at St. John Vianney Parish. Now, and I'm sure there are many, many challenges. In the five years, what do you see as some of your major challenges? Well, let me tell you, uh, among the challenges, and there's been many blessings, mm-hmm. but I believe that one of the most difficult and painstaking challenges that I experienced in the five years as a, as a rector was the fact that not too far away from us, maybe a mile away, was a nightclub called Pulse that caught the attention nationally because of a, a massacre that took place, 50 oh, lives that were yeah. lost in this nightclub oh. in Orlando. And so that was just a couple of you know minutes away from St. James Cathedral. And, and the fact that uh, I, I was ministering to the families and friends of the victims, and later on with some of the survivors, that was definitely... Uh, a very challenging time. Mm-hmm. What I always say that God was good to, to, to us in the midst of this uh, awful nightmare was the fact that the priest that was uh, in Sandy Hook uh, taking care of, of the parishioners mm-hmm. and the victims of the children from the, from the school, uh, before the Pulse incident, just a couple of months before, we had our annual priest convocation in Orlando, and he was an invited guest to come and speak to us and share some insights and some advice to us in the event, God forbid, that we would experience something of this magnitude. Well, talk about the Lord preparing us because a few months later, we were hit with with the Paul's incident and the things that the priest said were on the spot, right? You know, bullseye. Uh, And so thank God for him that he helped a lot of of our priests, including myself, in how to cope with it, how to deal with the post-traumatic stress that comes from it and the other events that emerge uh, and the needs that emerge in, in light of a situation like this. Wow. How many were killed in that massacre? 
That was 52 people. 52 people. Was this like back in 2019? That is correct. Wow. And, that, and so sometimes people forget, as we minister to people in time of need, but we priests also need to be ministered to sometimes, right. especially during those hard exactly. times of a massacre, uh, of tragedy, that, you know, who ministers to the minister? And so how God works in incredible ways. But here's, I, I like this. We always talk about, oh, what a coincidence. A coincidence is God's way of remaining anonymous. I love you're, the definition. You were blessed with A coincidence is God's way of remaining anonymous. Yeah, and how he yeah, came. We, we, so you we, we, oh, what a coincidence he talked to you. And I'm sure to this day, it so touches your heart in profound sadness, lives taken so tragically and so horribly. And just the last minute and a half here, Miguel, is what makes your cathedral so unique? It's diversity. Being in the heart of downtown Orlando, uh, welcoming so many families from different uh, countries and backgrounds, uh, it really enhances the beauty of, of our long history. A church that was established back in 1885 that has gone through so many changes, a city that continues to grow, that is dynamic, that is full of energy and possibilities. Uh, so it's definitely a, a blessing to, to be part of a, of a community that has witnessed so much history in downtown Orlando. Now, do you connect yeah. with Disney World? All the time. Can you, can you <laughs> tell our listeners, you announced Orlando yesterday. The whole place was so excited. Tell them what your shirt consisted of on the front and back. I had the Mickey Mouse ears. It said priest, and in the back it says Father Miggy. Father Miggy. I sang a song that, with your permission, I yeah, could sing Yeah, go ahead. It. We should Please end do with it. This. End with the song. Yes. You've got the I'll floor. I'll end with the go song, ahead, and that's the invitation for our conference in 2024. Go for okay, it. Okay, go. Be our guest. Be our guest. Put our service to the test. Pack your bags. No need for sweaters. And we'll provide the rest. Sunny weather, awesome speakers, while we only live to serve. Be uplifted, be renewed. Don't believe me, ask my bishop. <laughs> we can sing, we can praise. After all, this is Orlando. What we offer is never second best. Please mark your calendars. Take a glance, then you'll be our guest. Be our guest. Be our guest. Yeah. Bravo. Bravo. We'll see you in Orlando. <laughs> I want to thank in a very special way Father Miguel Gonzalez, the rector of St. James Cathedral in Orlando, Florida. He's a disc jockey. He's a singer. He does everything. So, Miguel, you've been a great guest. I want to thank in a very special <laughs> way also to Mark Teresi, co-host, to our engineer producers, Javier Garcia and Brian Hockey Hitman Brock. To our listeners, thank you very much for joining. And in 2024... <laughs> Miguel, we are going to have fun. We are. We look forward to seeing you in warmer weather. So God bless to all of our listeners. Stay healthy. Stay safe. Have a wonderful weekend. every Monday through Friday at this time for Catholic Chicago. You can stream our programs live or listen to past programs by visiting our website, archchicago.org, and clicking on Radio TV. And please connect with Catholic Chicago on social media.